0: Amen. Amen. Good morning and welcome again to Malvern Hill Baptist Church. My name is Craig Thompson and I am the other pastor here. It is our pleasure to have you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. We're going to be in Mark chapter 7. Go ahead and turn and then stand. Mark chapter 7. We're going to do a little something a little something out of the ordinary here in just a minute. Mark chapter 7 beginning in verse 24. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. This is the word of God, not the word of man, and it was written for you and for me and for all the world, and all who call upon the name of the Lord who has written this word will be saved. Hear now. And from there they, that is Jesus and his disciples, or excuse me, from there he, rather, Jesus and the disciples with him, and arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know yet. He could not be hidden. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon was gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee and in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hands on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephathah, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously, that means excitedly, they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Join with me as we pray. Lord God, I pray you would open deaf ears to hear your word today. Father God, that you would give speech to this pastor's mouth. Lord God, that our hearts would be in tune with the Spirit of God. That regardless of what it is that has brought us here, that we would proclaim with confidence that you have never failed us and we are confident you never will. You shall never leave and never forsake. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you are the God who is present with us today. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to do something a little odd this morning. Something that's pretty out of character for me, generally speaking. But uh, we are going to jettison the sermon outline for just a few minutes. It's possible that we'll make it back to it. But if we don't, that'll be just fine, I promise. What does it look like? So it's, it's, the title of the sermon this morning is It Is Not Magic. And that's still going to be the same title. I, I'm not sure that we'll actually make it to the outline this morning. See, I, I wanted to talk to you primarily about why it is that our ministries need to be Flexible. And I want you to understand that our ministries need to be flexible because the needs that God puts around us don't always fit into the neat categories that we've identified for them, okay? They don't always fit perfectly into the way. I I don't always get to plan the needs that will face me on my calendar. I don't get to pencil them in tomorrow and say, well, about 1030 in the morning, I'm going to get a phone call and there's going to be an unexpected death. Perhaps tomorrow, about, about, about 3 o'clock, I'm going to get a phone call and somebody's going to be struggling with the faith or lack thereof in their children's lives. Maybe on Tuesday at about 6, I'm going to get a phone call from somebody who says, Pastor, my faith is on the brink of failure. Would you pray for me? I don't get to schedule those things. You don't get to schedule those things. And it's for those reasons that we must be flexible in the way that we do ministry because there are needs all over the place we got to be flexible because every single person is unique. It's not just the circumstance. We, we sometimes get wrapped up into talking about the circumstances of ministry and miss the fact that there are people involved in those circumstances, It's the people that are in need of God's touch. And just to be totally honest, that's where I want to focus this morning. I want us to step aside from exactly how it is that this passage of Scripture equips you to go out and do ministry, though I hope that it will. And I hope that it does. And I want us to consider that there may be some of you here this morning who are in desperate need of a unique, special touch from the Lord. That perhaps there is somebody who walked in here today that's fallen prey to the lie of the devil that says there is no hope for you. I want us to consider these two stories in Mark's Gospel. These two stories that are very unique, and to consider how it is that these stories may apply to our particular situations. The first story that we see this morning is the story of what the Bible refers to as a Syrophoenician woman. Now, the Bible says that Jesus was worn out. Remember where we've been. Jesus has been ministry, 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 ministry. Every time he tries to get away, somebody finds him. Last night, I uh, couldn't find Angela. She was lost in the house. I looked at the dog. I said, find Find Angela or find mommy or whatever I said. And I, the dog went and found her. I couldn't believe it. It was phenomenal. And then he wouldn't leave her alone. So It was great. But listen, there are bird dogging in Jesus everywhere he goes. He can't get away. Every time he shows up somewhere, somebody's knocking on the door. Somebody's beating on the door. Is he in there? Is he in there? The Bible says that Jesus went to this house. He's trying to get away, trying to get a break. And as he gets there... He can't do anything. Why? Because once he shows up on the scene, there's people already there. The Bible says he rose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and didn't want anybody to know, but he could not be hidden. Immediately, remember Mark's favorite word, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now what's unique about these passages of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning is Jesus is doing ministry outside of the Jewish strongholds of Judea. He is into the Gentile areas. Jesus' ministry is shifting right here. Jesus' ministry is shifting away from simply doing ministry to the Jews. He's He's beginning to expand His ministry into the Gentiles. In other words, one of the big things that we get out of this passage of Scripture is that Jesus' ministry is for everybody. There is nobody that is excluded from the powerful work of Jesus. And salvation is open to all the world, and all who will call the name of the Lord Jesus Christ can and will be saved. So he shows up. This woman's beating on the door She's a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. I want you to imagine being in this situation. Some of you are there right now. Some of you are there right now. The song spoke so deeply to your heart because you thought that by now the walls in your life would have fallen, but they haven't. You're beating on the door of heaven and you're saying, do you even hear me, Jesus? God, are you even... There. This woman shows up, she bangs on the door, she kicks it, she finally gets in, and she says, My little daughter is possessed by a demon. Jesus, would you heal her? Folks, has it ever seemed as though God didn't hear? Has it ever seemed as though God wasn't listening? Any of us that have prayed for anything desperately for a period of time in our life have been exposed to a situation where, after I better not beat on the piano, had I? After you banged on the door of heaven in prayer, it seemed as though you were answered with only silence. It's like you picked up the, 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 the red hotline to heaven, you called, and nobody answered. It just rang and rang and rang. Folks, that's discouraging. But you know, as long as nobody answers, at least we can hold out hope. I submitted a book proposal to a a publisher, I don't know, three months ago or so. Didn't hear anything back, didn't hear anything back, didn't hear anything back. And then I heard something back. And I heard back from them, they said, we need some more information from you. And I said, man, that's exciting. So I sent them more information. And then again, I didn't hear anything back, and I didn't hear anything back, and I didn't hear anything back. And finally, I hadn't heard anything back so long that I, I picked up the phone, I called, I said, hey, I hadn't heard anything back, can you help me? She said, I don't know, but I'll find somebody who can, and thankfully, and I got an email back, it was great, because the email said, hey, Craig, your writing's terrible, but we appreciate you sending us this. <laughs> I kind of liked it when they didn't answer, you know? It was kind of easier to deal with at that point. At least I could hold out hope. I kept telling Angela, I said, hey, honey, hadn't heard from this publisher. I sent it off like four weeks ago. I'm assuming that since they're taking so long, that's because they love it. Being the supportive wife that she is, she just went, yeah, baby, yeah. You know, until we get the answer, we can still hold out hope, can't we? This woman didn't have to wait for an answer from Jesus, though. This woman got from Jesus what nobody would ever expect to hear from Jesus. Jesus looked at her and called her a dog. Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog's. Oh, Jesus, I came here for healing for my daughter and you've insulted me. She says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And the Bible says that Jesus said for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Tell me this, are you willing to to have Jesus call you a dog if you'll cast the demons out of your daughter? See, we, we can't over-spiritualize this. I, I worked in some commentary work. A lot of popular work in this says, well, when Jesus said that, he was really talking about just like the cuddly little dogs that would come in under the table and play. Folks, that is a lie. That's not true. This, is, this ranks up there with the people who tell us that when Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, that what Jesus was talking about was this special gate in, 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 the, in the wall of Jerusalem called the Eye of the Needle where camels would crawl down on their knees and get through there and it was just harder for them to get there. There is no such gate that has ever existed. When Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven and it's easier for a camel to pass through the Eye of the Needle, what Jesus wanted us to understand is that it is impossible unless God himself deems it. Folks, our salvation is impossible unless God does a miraculous powerful incredible work of his holy spirit and saves us when he looks at the woman and he says you're a dog he wants her to understand that he doesn't really have time for her why might jesus have done that this is a parable it's a teaching opportunity jesus does lots of parables in his word and parables aren't always fun for us to deal with jesus is not this sweet grandpa in the sky he's a far far less concerned with your comfort than he is with your salvation. This woman is so confident, this woman is so arrogant, this woman is so prideful that she walks up to a door where she was not invited. She bangs on the door and she says, Heal my daughter. Jesus says, Fine, heal your daughter. You need to understand who it is you're in the presence of. I am the God of the universe. These harsh words from Jesus serve to save this woman because this woman is humbled to recognize exactly it is in whose presence she finds herself. And what she has humbled herself before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he says, absolutely. I can do something with that because God works through a humble and a contrite heart. Go home and read Psalm 51 and figure out what it is that the Lord desires from us. Folks, are you here this morning? You've been banging on the door of heaven and you want to know why it is that God hasn't answered. Have you gone to Him as a beggar looking for bread? Lord God, would you just hear me? Lord God, I recognize that I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it, but Lord God, would you hear me anyway? Not only have you gone there, have you recognized that God's willing to heal? Uh, The second thing I want us to see this morning is this, uh, this other man. Oh, 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 let's go back to verse 30. I almost missed it. It says, And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. You think when she went home and found her baby lying right there, healed, you think she said, That's sorry, Jesus. He gave me the runaround before he ever did anything. Do you think she did that? No, she praised the Lord. Trials come to make us strong. God's interested in making you into a whole lot more than a receiver. He wants to make you into a child of the kingdom. Second thing we see this morning, not just this Syrophoenician woman, the Bible says that Jesus then returned from the region and he went to the Decapolis. That's another one of those Gentile areas where Jesus finds himself. And the Bible says all the people ran up to him and they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And the Bible says that Jesus didn't look at this man and castigate him. The Bible doesn't say Jesus looked at him and gave him like the Benny hen, be healed and slayed him in the spirit. Which, by the way, is not orthodox. Just remember that. The Bible says that Jesus did something we hadn't seen Him do anywhere else. The Bible says Jesus took the man by the the hand maybe, drug him off to the side, got him away from the crowd. The Bible says that Jesus put His fingers in His ears, touched His mouth, and the man was healed. Two different people, two different Gentiles, two completely different experiences. Why? Because Jesus sees the person, and Jesus sees the heart. And Jesus is interested in being right there where you are. Right with you. The Bible says after spitting, he touched his tongue and looking up to heaven and sighed and said to him. Now the Bible gives it to us in Jesus' native language. Ephephathah. Why? How much time you ever spend with non-native English or non-English, non-native English speakers. Yeah, that's the right word. How much time do you spend with with folks who are of a Hispanic descent, perhaps, Uh, maybe German descent, whatever people people that don't come from English contexts? They may have perfect English, but have you ever seen them get excited? Perhaps there's some of you that have served in a foreign context. You grew comfortable in a foreign language, but when you got excited, all of a sudden. You began to speak in tongues, right? You, you, you lived in Germany for five years. You spoke German well, but when things started going crazy, there was not a single German word that flowed out of your mouth. Everything went all the way back to English. Your heart language began to spill out. Y'all have heard me tell the story before about the woman that Angela and I and our, and our former church, woman that came to Christ. She, was, um, she came from a Muslim background. She was Indonesian. And, and, and the Lord just so orchestrated it for this woman to come to our church and come to Christ in the, in the months prior to Angela and I leaving for a mission trip to Indonesia. We worked to disciple this woman. She'd been baptized. All many, so many great things. She'd been through Bible studies. And we'd bought her a study Bible to try and help her understand. But while we were in Indonesia, we came across a, 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 an Indonesian Bible in a bookstore there. Now, we had bought her a nice Bible and gave it to her in Indonesia. We bought like a $2 Bible. That's all we could find. And it was a Bible written in in Bahasa, in the native language of the Indonesian people. And we came home and we delivered that little vinyl-covered Bible to her. And she took it home, and I'll never forget, she came back and she said, I finally understand it. You see, the gospel spoke to her in her heart language in a way that her second language never could. The Bible says that Jesus comes up to this man... He's in a Gentile town. Mark wants us to understand that this was something that just tugged at him. Jesus didn't speak in Greek. Jesus didn't speak to him in any other language. Jesus goes all the way back to his Aramaic language. Jesus just sighs from within. Folks, what does it mean to you to consider that there's a God who loves you enough that when he sees you, encounters you at the point of your desperation... That he sighs from within. Y'all remember the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead? We get the shortest verse in all the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. But the, 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 the full image of that in there is that Jesus is so touched by the experience. He's so overwhelmed. He's overcome with his emotion. Perhaps the reason Jesus wept in that moment actually had nothing to do with him being so sad, but so much to do with him being angered by the results and effects of sin in the way that it was robbing people of joy. The Bible says that Jesus pulled him to the side. This was no spectacle for the whole world. This one woman had come and kicked the door in and said, Heal my daughter. This other man had been drugged by all the other people and they came to Jesus. Maybe they said, Jesus, we can't even get him out. Jesus, we can't even... Jesus, he's so depressed, he's so down. He's an outcast! Jesus doesn't make a spectacle of this man. Jesus brings him off to the side. Look what Jesus does. He touches him right at the point of his hurt. Touches his ears, and the Bible says his speech returned. Or his his his, his hearing returned. Touched his mouth and made his speech right. What a God we serve! who's willing to hurt us that we may be made holy and willing to help us that we may be made whole. They were astonished beyond measure, saying He's done all things well, even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Folks, the work of Jesus in your life and in mine is not a magic trick. There is no smoke. There are no mirrors. Jesus doesn't heal the same way twice. Why is that the case in the New Testament? Perhaps it's because God was working diligently through the record of His Word to protect us from the charlatans and the faith healers in our world who would say, if you just have enough faith and give just enough money then God will hear and God will answer. Maybe the Lord wanted us to know, to recognize that this Jesus that we serve doesn't respond to magical incantations. He doesn't just see the circumstance. He sees the person and meets them at the point of their need. And watch this. Jesus answers you. Sometimes even in ways that you didn't even know to ask. Because Jesus sees all the way down to your heart and touches you there and begins to change you from the inside out. Let me assure you that this Syrophoenician woman, we don't know her name, let me assure you that this this woman who came brokenhearted over the, the malady of her child, never expected and certainly wouldn't have asked for Jesus to insult her And yet perhaps it was only through that insult that Jesus was able to get her attention. To hurt her that she may see the power of the gospel. Folks, we can grow so prideful in our own abilities that we can forget who it is that we talk to in our prayers. Who it is that we approach. The Bible says we should bang on the door of heaven. But I'm not sure that we should ever kick open the door and walk in without without being invited. We bang on the door of heaven with a great confidence that He'll answer. And when He answers, we walk in and we eat with Him. I don't think we should ever be embarrassed to approach the Lord Jesus, but here's what's incredible. The Bible says that for this man who didn't want to go on his own, the people came to Jesus and they brought him the man. The Bible says there were people who brought the man to Jesus. Do you recognize that this man was healed to some degree because of the faith of the people around him who drug him there, who didn't want to let Jesus get away before they saw him? Other people reached out and touched Jesus and were healed. This man perhaps didn't even have the faith, the confidence to do that. Maybe he believed himself so unclean That I can't even reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And Jesus pulls him to the side and says, Child, be healed. This Jesus in whom we place our trust is no magician. He is no charlatan. He is no crook. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Savior of all mankind. He's the Lord of lords. He's better than you think. He's bigger than you know. He is Christ alone. We stand amazed in His presence because we can do no other. He is holy, holy, holy. The earth is full of His glory. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. All of the great words that we would speak Fail to fully capture the glory and the majesty of this great God. And yet, even though we are unable and incapable of fully appreciating His power and His glory, He humbles Himself enough to clothe Himself in flesh and dwell among us. And to not just come down and hang out near us, but to actually get close enough to touch us. And meet us at the point of our need. I can't remember the last time that I stepped away from a sermon outline. It has been years. And yet this morning we will close with this. He is enough. And he's willing to meet you right where you are. We looked at it last week. Somebody said, Pastor, you don't know who I am or where I've been. And po- last week I told you it doesn't matter because all that matters is who he is. Some of you want to come this morning as Kevin comes to lead us. You might want to come down and pray, Lord God. Lord, I've been coming knocking on the door of heaven for all these years. And Lord, nothing's happened. God, would you listen today? Maybe some of you need to come and say, God, I haven't come to you because I've been so embarrassed and ashamed. And you say, Lord God, I've come today. Maybe some of you come and you say, God, only you could possibly understand the place I find myself in. Maybe some of you come and you say, Lord God, I've been so arrogant and prideful. Today, would you break me and make me into a vessel usable in your service? Maybe some of you come and you say, Lord God, my ears have been so deaf that I... I haven't heard your word as it's been proclaimed. Lord God, open my ears that I may hear. My heart that I may receive. My eyes that I may see. And then, Lord God, once that's happened, would you open my mouth that I may proclaim the glories and the wonder, the majesty of the child born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Raised to adulthood in perfect sinlessness. Proclaiming the good news and dying on a cross for your sins and mine. All these years I've not walked away from a sermon outline and yet today I have. Was it for you today? Are you the reason? Perhaps you're the reason that God burdened me to shift gears this morning. For goodness sakes... Don't grieve the Holy Spirit as He works in your life today. Be open to God's movement. He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And can I tell you, He makes the lame walk. Can I tell you, He makes the leper clean. He makes the dead to live and He makes the sinner pure. His forgiveness is extended to you today. He stands ready to receive. Would you come this morning as the Lord leads you? Let us pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Father God, I pray that we've been obedient here this morning. But Lord God, I pray that the obedience wouldn't end with the proclamation of your word. Lord God, the obedience wouldn't end with the hearing of your word. That God, we would be obedient as we respond to your word. Father, perhaps the response you have us is to sing praise to your name. Perhaps the response you have us is to bow right there at our seat, Lord God, and pray. Perhaps the response, Lord God, for some, is that they would come today and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. That they would watch him wipe away their sins, cleanse them from their past, and give them a hope and a future work in us today as we sing in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us. The cross has the final word. We're going to sing that this morning, but it's not just a song. It's the absolute truth. No matter what the world has told you you are, the cross of Jesus Christ says you can be alive. Sing with us this morning. The cross has the final word The grow may come in the dark.